Hey everyone, this is Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! See, I, I heard that that time. Yeah, I could hear the smile yeah. in your voice. You, uh, That's the I first mean, you thing... could see me. You can see the smile, so. Yeah. A little bit of a um, I, I interned at a political office my freshman year of college. Never again, but I did it just to get some experience. And the first thing they taught me was, Matt, whenever you're on the phone, smile. They'll hear. And you know what? There's some truth to it, especially in a, in a job where I've spent many, many hours on the phone a day. When I'm, when I'm talking to someone that's upset, just forcing that smile, plastering that bitch on, shit. <laughs> that puts everyone okay. in a good mood. <laughs> let me let me hear you introduce Hyalet without a smile and with a smile, see if we can hear the difference. All right, everyone. And just subbing in for Hot Mickey today is Hyalet. That was a smile. All right, everyone, subbing in for Hot Mickey today is Hylette. See, there you go. That was pretty good. What up, Hylette? By design. I, I felt the warm fuzzies right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. That's like one. Thank you very much. Um, so. Hylette, thank, uh, thank you for joining us. I think it's been a while since you've been on. Um, you know, you were notoriously on an episode of uh, God of War where, um, you know, we, we just weren't too happy with Matt's rating. Or wait, was that the first God of War? Hang on. I'm getting them confused mm -hmm. again. So you were on the first Ragnarok. God of War. You were on Ragnarok or you he were on, on the first God of War I episode? On, I wrote notes for the first one and you two chose to not invite me for whatever godforsaken <laughs> right. reason. Right, right, right. Despite writing like most of the talking points, Lucas. Right. Um, and then the first episode was the mental health and video games. And then I was graciously invited to do the God of War Ragnarok episode with y'all. That's right. Where... I witnessed Matt's tomfoolery firsthand live <laughs> in recording. So it is tough. So I needed a, you know, a little bit of time to detox, but I think I'm at a place now emotionally where I can be in recording again and, you know, hang out, listen to you guys talk video games and all that good shit. I refuse to believe I could be a problem. <laughs> That's great. Great. Um, Great mentality. Right and admitting there. it is yeah. always going to be the first step to overcoming those problems, Matt. That's right. And that's why I picked Hufflepuff and Hogwarts Legacy because I'm loyal to myself. That's called Slytherin. That's called ambition. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Hyalette, for those of you that, that aren't familiar with the TFP lore, Hyalette is one of the more active members in our Discord as well. And just kind of always talking about news and um, discussing opinions of really, really good stuff out there. I'd say Hyalette, like in terms of what we talk about, and, and you've written notes for some of our episodes before, and you got some good stuff coming up down the pipeline. Um, you're more, you're like, you have a real interest in like the academia, like side of video games and really like, I mean, you wrote your thesis on, we'll say it again, agency and video games. Is that right? Pretty much how agency and identity develops as you play a video game, pretty much with an avatar. Yeah. Yeah. And you actually yeah. mentioned the last of us in your thesis as well. Is that correct? I, I, the last of us was the second chapter in my thesis and I was really interested in the ending of the last of us. I know we're going to get into that later on, but the ending and kind of how the way the ending shakes out. I remember back in like 2013, that was a huge hot debate of who was in the right 
um, Joel or Ellie. And the reason why there was a debate, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Why is that? So I argued that the fact that we play as multiple protagonists, we ourselves kind of have a weird kind of recoding of what our identities mean and how our goals align, depending on who we play with. So that's why we may not necessarily agree with Joel or Ellie, because we were kind of in the minds and heads of both when we were going through the process of playing the game. Yeah. Especially when you when you switch things up, the gameplay doesn't necessarily change that much. So you're playing the same types of actions, both diverging kind of viewpoints, yeah. goals, what they want to do like with humanity. So that all happens because we essentially have almost an identity crisis. Damn. Is what I argue. Okay, okay. big so, big words coming out right. right at the gate. Right at the gate. Now, we haven't even gotten into like the intro or any of the yeah. <laughs> the finer Which, details yet. I was gonna say like everything you know your your academic past highlight. That's all. That's all great. But you know what my favorite thing is about you, highlight. What is it, Matt? I think you're a fun guy. God damn it. God damn it. I hate, I hate that. that. I that hate one that was so much. Dang. Was that? that, that was you know, you know what's crazy? I, hate that. I, I don't think there's mushroom change? more to add to that. Oh, <laughs> hang on. I was thinking. Uh, mushroom. I'm trying to think of a mushroom pun real quick. Um, Three, two, uh, Outstanding one. in his field. <sighs> damn it. Uh, yeah. I was Asian. just, I was quoting, I was quoting <laughs> Ellie there with the pun book. <laughs> That's for everyone today. We are talking about the number one fungal post-apocalyptic simulator the last of us that is right the 23rd oh shit i had it pulled up just now i'm not i'm confusing it again 20 okay this is why it's confusing 2013 game but it's basically a well, it's a 2014 game because that's when it came out on PS4. It's that's when it came out on PS4, which is a version that a lot of people played as well. Game came out 2013 originally, June 14th on the PlayStation 3 worldwide release. Remake just came out recently, and shit, when was the remake? Well, there was a remake that the remake came out, which is what we played on PS5. But then there was a remaster that came out before that that was not a part of the original 2013 and 2014 release of the game. So there's like four four versions of the game, which is why I just confused the shit out of myself in the last and, like eight years or so. And the remake just came out in September of 2022. So not too long ago, I had um, misspoken actually there, but that's right. Very, the, and we, we played the remake to be clear with everyone, the 2022 remake. Um, on PS5. I, have, I played the yeah I played the original way back when I don't think Lucas did but um, highlight sounds like you did but um, yeah you know I think everyone knows The Last of Us at this point it's kind of taking over the zeitgeist right now you know I think HBO is really killing it with their um, with the show they're doing the adaptation probably one of the best game adaptations out there and we'll be doing a full uh, review of The Last of Us at a later point, one, The Last of Us TV show, once that concludes here. But today, we're here to talk about the uh, 2022 remake 
of The Last of Us. That's right. But really quickly, before we jump into that, uh, as always, everyone, if you aren't already, go ahead and drop us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at TFE Podcasts. That's at TFE Podcasts with an S at the end. Um, and if you go to the link tree on any of those social media handles, you can also find a link to our Discord. Discord is the best place to reach us coming out. It's a good time. We talk about all kinds of stuff and things. Occasionally, still play Wordle. It's a good time. And mm-hmm. as well, you can shoot us an email at thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. Um, and I'll happily email you back a invite to the discord with a selfie attached. Uh, or as well, you can also go to our website. Thanks for playing live where there you can find a link to the website. Woo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Thank you for that, Matt. Wait, before I, I missed this part of my intro, I just want to f- uh, give some context around this game real quick. This is, like you said, just taking over the world right now in terms of HBO. This game got a 10 out of 10 from IGN. This game got a 10 out of 10 from Eurogamer. This game got uh, basically 10s anywhere that you can find it. And a 95 out of 100 on Metacritic, one of the highest rated games on Metacritic that we've played for this podcast. Crazy enough, I got some quotes for you later. Uh, seven and a half on Polygon when it first came out and an eight out of 10 on GameSpot. Okay, so a couple of outliers there. Uh, I do want to go into a few quotes that I did. Sound like my kind of people. (laughs) So I know I know you love that, Matt. But, you know, this is at this point, one of the most celebrated games of all time um, and is rightfully so had and is continuing to get an extremely solid video game adaption on HBO. And as of the recording of this right now, I think there's six episodes out. Um, And I believe we have until March 12th is when the show is actually wrapping up, um, starring Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, both fantastic um, HBO alumni. And um, yeah, it's it's I think there's there's just so much to really like about this game, like with the remaster, um, all of its history, like Naughty Dog as a prestigious AAA video game company. Um, And, you know, I think there is a lot to compare this game to, especially because we did just play another third person cinematic like story driven game not too long ago, which was God of War. Um, So I found myself comparing this a lot to cinematic third person games that we've played recently. Um, And I'll save my thoughts for a little bit. But Matt, you could hit us with some initial thoughts. Yeah, well, really quickly, I just want to, you know, I think most people know about this, but I want to make sure everyone is included. So I'm going to give a quick synopsis brief summary of what the game is about, and then we will dive into it. So in 2013, an outbreak of the mutated cordyceps fungus ravages the United States, transforming its human hosts into aggressive creatures known as the infected. In the suburbs of Austin, Texas, Joel flees the chaos with his brother Tommy and daughter Sarah. As they flee, Sarah is shot by a soldier and dies in Joel's arms. Fast forward 20 years, and civilization has been completely decimated by the infection. While hunting down their stolen weapons cache, Joel and his partner in crime, Tess, come across Marlene of the Fireflies, a rebel militia group. Marlene promises to double their cache if they smuggle Ellie to the Fireflies hideout, to the Fireflies hiding in downtown Boston. So it begins their journey that will take Joel and Ellie across the country in an effort to harness the immunity the cordyceps fungus that Ellie has. Love that. Love that. Um, All right. So I guess we'll hit initial thoughts and then we'll jump into uh, when did it click and then story and world. Matt, some initial thoughts. What you got? Yeah. um, No, it's interesting because like I had mentioned at the top here, 
The Last of Us is a game that I played, um, you know, when it first around the time it first came out, within a year of its release, I think, and, you know, and at that point it had, you know, you know, so much hype built around it, and really like the only thing it could do to surprise me is not meet those expectations, right? And I remember I played it. And I finished the story and, you know, I finished the game, all that good stuff. And I, I played the DLC for it and I was just kind of like, eh, like that was fine. Um, I didn't, it, nothing hit me at that point. Um, and going into this, into this game, you know, I was, I don't know if it's maybe just because I'm older now, you know, it's almost it's been almost 10 or nine years since I played that game. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm older, maybe I like, my view of storytelling has changed or whatever, or maybe the remastered version, excuse me, the remake rather just is that much better. I don't think that's the case, but you know, from the get go, this game really does just kind of draw you in. Um, and I have to say in general, this game probably, you know, not even video games. Let's just talk in storytelling, right? Has one of the best openings ever, ever. The first like um, hour, the first thirty minutes the fir- to an hour. The first know. thirty minutes with Joel and Sarah and uh, and Tommy. Um, you know, it's it, it very quickly throws into this world of of just chaos and you know when you get to the point where against obviously spoilers where Sarah dies that that scene in particular is like one of the best I think again just in general one of the best just depictions of death in like any medium ever. Um, you know, it, there's no, there, there's no like final words from Sarah. There's no like, you know, Joel live dad live on, you know, it's just, it's just fucking brutal. And like, she's yeah. just like her cries of, it's so well acted, like the cries of pain. Like this isn't some like, you know, I think death a lot of times will get like romanticized in games, not in the sense of like, this is amazing, but in the sense of like, dramatize you know they get the last words get the last words meant to be beautiful but like sarah is just like laying there dying like clearly freaking out and scared and joel can't do anything and there's no no final word exchange there's nothing like you know beautiful about it it's just it's so real and it's so brutal and that really sets the tone of the story of the game in general really yeah really just kind of you know in those first 30 minutes just Here's here's the game you're playing. Get fucking ready. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So, um, my initial thoughts, you know, this is my first time playing the game in any capacity. Um, it was a seventy dollars game. It's the first time I've ever played seventy dollars for a base game, um, which I think is crazy. Part of me was like, "Well, you was know, Ragnarok not seventy? I feel like that was sixty for me. Mm. I don't know. Anyways, I actually continue. might have to double check that one. But I remember seeing the seventy dollars price tag, and for some reason, those ten dollars really just feels like a lot. I'm just like, I know we talked about like the price of video games before on this podcast, but I, that was kind of where I was like, dang, okay, it, it's things have changed. All right, here we go. Um, downloaded it. And, and to be honest, I really, I, I had doubts that I would really like this game. I know like I'm, I can be a contrarian sometimes. I, I like third person, like story driven narratives and all that kind of stuff. But what I was thinking was, okay, zombie story, post-apocalyptic played a million post-apocalyptic games, you know, watched or, you know, seen a bunch of post-apocalyptic stories before. 
you know, what what could this do better than the other games or other stories that I've seen? And man, I was just blown away by this game pretty much after that part that you mentioned, Matt. In fact, the, when the game really clicked for me was a little bit after that. I really liked that intro sequence and I thought that was a really great introduction because the game pretty pretty much gets right into it. I mean, there's a little bit of an intro sequence and the zombies come within like the first 15 minutes of the game. And like once the zombies come, they don't stop. It's like zombie... Drive, get in the truck, fucking run, building on fire, army, helicopters, gunfire. It's like everything so fast all at once. And then it, it's when when you hit that little lull and then you play through a little bit of Boston and then you meet Ellie and then that was when the game clicked for me. When like Ellie comes in as a character and is just such a great character from the very, very first scene that she's in. And then when you learn about her immunity, I'm like, okay, I'm all in. Like this is the, this is the setup, fuck yeah. Like, you know, father with like, because I didn't know that Sarah existed. Like in all the trailers and anything I've seen about The Last of Us, I didn't know. I thought Ellie like was his daughter. And then you learn that, oh, like his daughter actually died 20 years before the, the story actually starts that we know. And Ellie is like him trying to address his past. I'm all in. You know, it's very clear that that's going to be the running theme is like daughter he couldn't save, daughter that he has a chance to save. And she's so important because she's immune to this crazy fungal virus. Um, and also, I did not know what the actual virus was when I first played this game. I had no idea what what it really was or like how these zombies actually existed. I didn't even know what they actually looked like or anything like that. And I was very pleasantly surprised by this zombie, this take on zombies. I actually had to look up if it could happen because I'm like, oh my God, I feel like this is like, if zombies could happen, it's either rabies, which is what 28 Days Later did in that movie, and or it's this or it's like funga fungicide bullshit or it's fun it's fungus bullshit you know and i was very pleased to see like the at least the attempt or the feel of like actual grounded sci-fi or like grounded fantasy in a real world and i loved all the all the zombie stuff too so those are my they even thoughts. go a step further too and i know we're not uh, it's worth mentioning like they even go a step further in the show and explain like oh you know what if you know global warming like what if the world just gets a little bit I love that I, and then <laughs> I the love fungus that also show. evolves to surviving that you know and like I remember I was you know it's like the first, that's almost the one of the one, you know they have the same scene of Sarah dying in the game or the show too which is also very well done but that opening in the show is also just very very well done too yeah like yeah that's a perfect way of like addition that's not included in the game. And oh man, I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about the TV show with you guys. I did love, I'll just say there was like, a, there's a really funny thing uh, where they're, the scientists on the TV show are going like, yeah, you know, cordyceps could uh, evolve, you know, let's say, and then it cuts to like a, a close up and he's like, if the world were to get more warm. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> I'm like, man, the right wingers are so mad right now. Like there's some, <laughs> there's somebody in Kentucky watching the show going like, God, yeah, fuck yeah. Zombies. Hell yeah. I can't wait to watch this show. And then global warming, just like this whole thing is because of global warming. It's like somebody's mad. Somebody's mad about that. Yeah. But something else that really stood out, out to this game to me too. Um, I think it was Sam Claiborne said this on, um, GameScoop, actually. He was talking about, or excuse me, IGN. Well, yeah, GameScoop, IGN. Uh, he was talking about a separate uh, remake. I forget which one it was, but he basically said, if it's a good remake or a good remaster, it'll feel like you're playing the game the way you remember it, right? In the sense of like, it looks as good as you remember it, because even if you did actually, if you actually went back and played the original, it won't actually look that good, but in your mind, it looks good. 
And that's what um, this game did for me. Because I remember thinking like, uh, like that game looked really good, but you know, it's probably gonna look really good now. And then I played it and I was like, oh, it's still actually exceptional. Like I was expecting like that dated thing, but they did just such a good job of, you know, keeping true to that world that they did build and then making it just more, more immersive and, and you yeah. know, prettier in certain spots too. I, I was just so impressed. I think you mentioned that about the Dead Space remake re- most recently, because that's the one that's also getting a ton of praise for basically doing the exact same thing that this remake did, which is exactly what you just said, where, although I didn't yeah. play the original one, um, you know, it's funny. I looked at like some screenshots where I was just doing some review research and stuff. And man, it, it's funny how, well, not funny, but man, PS3 stuff just looks so old now. Um, it's so crazy. Uh, and this, I, I like, will say, I thought Dead Space, the original that you and I have played recently, I thought that actually looked pretty good still. That still did look really good, but the new one looks really, really great. If Incredible. You, if you look at some yeah. video of that. But this, like, there's moments in this where, I've, I, I mean, we played God of War on PS5, but this, re, this remake is like, there's moments where I swear it just looks like, it, it like, especially the eyes and like the texture on skin and hair, it's like amazing. You know, like when it's those really dramatic scenes where it's like Ellie and Joel arguing or them just talking or having a moment, it's like, it's so, <laughs> so, you could just see like their eyes emoting. It's crazy. It's like, yeah, it's so, so good. And even now, like, you know, watching the show, and seeing Pedro Pascal's like interpretation of the character and Bell Ramsey's interpretation of Ellie, um, it's really cool seeing like just them brought to life. But I did, I feel like I just saw them brought to life on this remaster too, as corny as that sounds, or this remake. Like I feel like they were as real as they can possibly get without being real people um, for me. But yeah, um, you want to talk story and world real quick? Yeah. So. Uh, what really stood out to me about this story, and I forget who, I think a lot of people have said this, I won't nail down to one person, but I forget where I heard it recently. Honestly, it might've been Neil Druckmann, but um, I think what makes this story so good is that it, it follows a very simple rule in storytelling, which is simple story, complex, complex characters. characters. And, you know, I think like the best like opposite you can look about something like that would be like looking at say Kingdom Hearts, right? Or <laughs> just like, <laughs> complex like, story, relatively one dimensional characters with like a fucking complex ass story that I barely understand. And I have been following that's that franchise for 13, 14, 15 years, whatever it is. Um, but I mean, yeah, when you nail it down, it, it's really just a simple story of guy transporting girl, like it might be the cure to the world. That's all it is, right? Yeah. But the nuances of Joel and Ellie and their relationship are what make the story so special because you get to see these two characters really, you know, they're they're both characters that have suffered a lot and suffered a lot of hurt and a lot of loss and a lot of pain, um, each in their own unique ways. And then seeing them sort of, you know, open up slowly over time to one another and then realize, you know, as much as they're as much as you know joel or as much as ellie is dependent on joel for um literal survival and as well she develops that emotional attachment to him obviously you see that develop from joel as well where he really does essentially start viewing ellie as the story goes on as like a proxy like proxy daughter, daughter essentially yeah proxy daughter um and watching that develop and open up you know because joel is a wild character like this man has literally been surviving in a post-apocalyptic world 
clearly killing people, a lot of innocent people, all yeah. in the wild dealing with, out a doubt, of the pain that he lost his daughter when this all started. Yeah. Um, and then seeing that, how that initially influences his relationship with Ellie and even with Tess, like essentially it's never really clearly said, but essentially like some sort of lover, some sort of something as well as, you know, partner, right. To what capacity we never really get to find out, but clearly it very involved outside of work. Right. Um, even to her, he's like wildly standoffish, right. You know, he's, she's clearly his go-to like they're, they're smuggling partners. You make that clear from the get-go clearly the only one he trusts and he barely even shows any emotion when she dies. Right. But, and then to see him go from that to literally like at the end of the game with Ellie, like, fuck the cure. I care about you more than Dude, everyone else. Oh my God, I care about yeah. you more than caring the world. That's wild. And you know, know, it's one of those things. It's like, who's right and who's wrong in that, you know? And then watching Ellie too, just like be, the, the scene where she's like, everyone's left me, but fucking you. It's like, Ooh, that shit. Yeah. Hurted. I know, I know. I I'm so into because I, I feel like what's what's really cool is like everything about the game is there to serve the relationship between Joel and Ellie. It's like, yes. yeah, you're in a post-apocalyptic world. Yes, like there's threats around every corner. There's hunters, there's slavers, there's smugglers, there's like a de facto government agency that's like the remnants of the United States that's like basically a regime to keep people controlled, all this crazy stuff, right? But at the end of the day, you got Joel and you got Ellie talking like in a car or like while you're walking from location A to location B. And like, it starts off, it, it does such a good job. They do such an amazing job actually developing the relationship from a zero, like from an absolute zero where not only do they not know each other, like they don't even really like each other at first. And like their assumptions about each other are so clear where it's just like, you're a piece of shit. Like, who the fuck are you? They're both, they're both thinking this about each other. It's like, they don't say it, but it's like, why am I, I don't care who you are. I'm doing this for the money. Like I'm transporting you and I'm smuggling you. Like that's the rules. And then it's like these little moments where like, it doesn't happen all at once. It sort of happens like as a slow buildup and then it happens all at once, right? Where you're like, oh, these two are actually kind of starting to get along right here. Or like, oh, she made a joke and Joel laughed. Then all of a sudden, like, like Joel like lands on that piece of rebar and Ellie's just like almost crying, like get up, get up. And it's like, Oh my God, they're like fully in, like they are a father and a daughter relationship, like proxy relationship right now, basically. And I was just like blown away by how well it developed, how organic it felt like all within uh, how many, how many hours did it take in your save, Matt? It took me about 10. Uh, I think like 11 or 12. Yeah. Le 11 or 12. So, you know, it's like a season of TV. You know, it's like 10 episodes or something like that. And it's just all them the whole time. And then by the end, I mean, the game, the ending ends on their relationship, ends on like this really dramatic point. And I mean, for me, should, should we just talk about like, you just go spoiler territory to act like talk about the final scene here? I think so, yeah, yeah. right? So basically what happens in the final scene is, uh, well, Joel goes all the way west uh, and brings Ellie to um, a group of people who basically are going to, you know, kill her in order to have a chance at developing a vaccine. It's not even necessarily guaranteed that they'll be developed. They'll be able to develop a full vaccine. But like the reason being that the like the virus is inside of Ellie's brain because that's where it grows. Yet she's immune to the virus. So they're going to like pick apart her brain, 
she's already in surgery and you, Joel, like bust out of prison, bust out of like where they have you captured to save her. You kill a bunch of people and you save her and she's knocked out on drugs and you carry her out of the hospital building, barely like living. She's barely living. You're barely living. And you kill the woman who asked you to bring Ellie all that way, Marlene, right? You find, it all comes full circle. You kill Marlene and then you drive away and there's this really awesome moment of, of um, dramatic irony where we as the characters don't, we as the viewer actually don't know what, what the result was. We just cut to Joel driving and you think, I thought, oh, okay, he left Ellie behind. He made the right choice. But no, it turns out Joel kills Marlene, takes Ellie, and then when she brings it up, he, when she brings up, she says, "What happened?" He said, "Turns out, like there is no such thing as finding a cure. There's actually a ton of people that are immune, like you, and it wouldn't have made a difference if they if they did what they did. So, like, I took us and I left. Right? If, I mean, I'm getting that. Right. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I'm getting the basic plot right there. Right? And then later, there's the epilogue where Ellie and Joel just stop, and she says, "Okay." you got to swear to me that what you told me back there was all true. And Joel looks her in the eyes and he said, I swear, which is a lie. He lies straight to her face and she just says, okay. And the game ends and the story ends. It's so good. I was like, it honestly was one of the best stories, the best story endings, one of my favorite endings ever, like video game or not. I think it, I really hope they end the show like that because I think it is like one of the best ways to end it. It's so dramatic. It's so perfect. It doesn't end with like a character death or a sacrifice. It just ends on like, holy shit, these two's relationship was the whole build up to the game. And he just told her the biggest lie that he could possibly tell her because he cares so much about protecting her because of the trauma that he's experienced about his own daughter. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's so clear and so good. And just, uh, it's all there. It's so, it's awesome. And even with that, too, something we do so well is just develop the additional characters, right? Um, something I loved at the end, you know, is Marlene's like, look, this isn't easy for me either. And then as you fight through that final level, um, if you're, you know, while you're scavenging for supplies to the hospital or whatever, you can find um, basically one recordings from doctors, which is really interesting. And then two, you're able to find Marlene's journal, basically. Yeah, and I saw that. Essentially, her being like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like after all this, like, I, like she's clearly wrestling with it, right? Like it's not all just her to like trying to save face in front of Joel. She's clearly actually distraught. It's just she lands on one side of the fence, and then Joel lands on the other. Um, and something I loved too is just how well the game really kind of depicts other people's lives. Like you have people, you know surviving in the QZ. You have people like Tommy's group that have, you know, basically kind of formed as best as they can a functioning and, you know, a well-adjusted society. You have the, uh, the hunters who are living in the remnants of QZ zones. You have people like Bill who kind of just become isolationists, but are able to survive. Um, and then one of my favorite little kind of side stories you get to go through is, uh, after you leave the city, when you're going through, uh, after you leave the hunter filled city, with Sam and um, Henry, Henry, you get to go through the sewers. And even as you're approaching the sewers, you know, if you go through a boat, you see there's like oh, a ish. crash boat next to the sewers. Yeah. And you find it's Ash, I think is the guy's name. Ish. Or girl, ish. I guess ish. Ish. You find uh, like a note from Ish. I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm out of material. So 
Let's go see what's cracking on, on land now, I guess. And then you see Ish, or you, see, you learn that about Ish, kind of get their story. And then as you adventure through these, you know, infected sewers, you get to see the kind of world Ish created. And another example of how people lived where, you know, barring until when they fucked up, like they were living comfortably in sewers, right? And like actually had a functioning society in there. So the, the game does a very good job of using its environment to tell a story in that way as well. Yeah, it does. It does. I, I see Hylet. You want to go, Tim, Hylet, whatever you want to be called. Uh, I hear you screaming over I there. On mute. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on the story, man? I know that you story is the big, a big part of what you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really love the story and you guys pretty much said everything that I would say, but I want to go back to that ending too. And what I remember hitting me different leading up to that pivotal moment of, I swear is Joel sharing a lot about Sarah as they're like kind of climbing back towards Tommy's encampment. Yeah. And Joel even makes a comment of like, Oh, if Sarah was alive, like you two would be friends. So just like that whole change of like how he talked to Ellie. And then at the end, he's literally comparing Ellie to um, Sarah. Yeah. And I just remember like that buildup. I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. And then even when Ellie says, okay, what I loved about, and I'm speaking from the 2013 version. So I imagine this looks even more nuanced and just better in the newest version is when Ellie says, okay, I don't think we get that definitive. Like she believes. Him. Yeah, she does not. Like There's almost like an unspoken understanding that, he's lying and she knows he's lying yeah. and just that crazy uneasiness of like when the game cuts to black is just so well done yeah like they give us closure but they don't yeah. and that's what like blew my mind and that's something i love to going off what you were just saying tim at the end like how even when they get into salt lake uh the dynamic of ellie and you know it, it's interesting the story kind of goes through where it starts with ellie almost trying to like um not not violate or trying to get Joel's attention, basically trying to like um, impress him. Right. And like be his friend. And then the story reaches a middle point where they're both trying to be each other's friends. Kind of. And then at the end, it starts to diverge to the opposite of the uh, opposite of the beginning where Joel's like, oh, I kind of like this kid. And then Ellie's like starting to get nervous because of, you know, they're finally at Salt Lake where they're going to do all the medical stuff. And then at the end, obviously as well, for the reasons just stated where she basically just doesn't trust Joel anymore. So it kind of does, like a full full revolution in that regard, then it ends up on its back where, you know, they're at different points, then they're at the same point, and then they're at different points again, but now at opposite ends of the spectrum and the relationship. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just seeing that, so that transition is just so, so fun. And, it, you know, it's so, I think it's so real too, because, you know, obviously in games, there's only so much room for storytelling. So I think a lot of time relationships will generally be on like a linear not that's maybe that's not fair to say, but some relationships may be on a linear path, but seeing such a dynamic relationship in this regard was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, it's just such a, I mean, it's such a human story all, all the way through every single moment is all about people. Um, which I think is really, really awesome while also not sacrificing any like really great world building with the virus itself. Um, like the, my only critique is I really actually wish that they held their cards closer to the chest for what the virus actually was in the game. In the show, it's basically, it's just like right at the beginning, you kind of like know what it is. But like, at first I was like, whoa, like what's in what is the virus? Like what are people getting infected by? Because one of the things is like, as you're running in that first sequence, Tommy's like driving the truck and he's like, they're saying it's a parasite. 
And I'm like, ooh, what is it? What kind of parasite is it? You know? And then like an hour later, or maybe like an hour and a half later, it's like you find a government note that just says, this is a fungus that made the leap to humans. There you go. And I'm like, ah, I wish I actually didn't know that for like the first five, six hours of the game. That would have been kind of cool. Um, is this your guys' favorite zombie flavor? Like in terms of like the the actual truth behind what these guys are? Is this like, you know, is this up there? I think it's up there. The only other zombie content I've really consumed wholeheartedly was, uh, what is it? Walking Dead. Um, Walking Dead. I Am Legend's really good too. Um, I'm not really sure I understand why they tried to use the measles to cure cancer. When I, I was actually like <laughs> looking back on that recently. I was watching some scenes from it, and I, I just remember I'm like, oh, what were they trying to do again? And I was like, measles for. Maybe, you know, if you're a doctor or you have some medical background, there might actually be some medical reason why that does make sense. Like why we would try and reverse engineer that. If there is, I genuinely want to know. But otherwise that might be slightly just like, uh, like throwing a dart on a, on a board. Like, All right, we'll use that disease. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys, um, well, Walking Dead, it's just a regular, what is the virus itself? It's just a virus. Like it's, it's unclear. It's just like a virus that mutates the brain basically. yeah it's like a virus that mutates or eats away at the brain to i think the way to describe it is that it remain. kills okay. you and then it reactivates your brain but only like the like core core function the core functions uh, okay. of like you walking yeah. and trying to consume 28 yeah. days later um, is rabies that's kind of pretty similar right? to what it's rabies but like it's called rage or something in 28 days go yeah. ahead tim sorry <laughs> So I just want to jump back to the measles for cancer therapy because I was legit curious. Um, I am legend came around like late two thousands, right? I think it was two thousand eight. Yeah. Was the was the movie? Mid I think the book. There. I think the book was okay. well, well before that. Yeah. So I'm not a scientist, and I'm not going to speed read a fucking scientific article or anything. But the first few choices up, or the first few results that pop up if you Google measles to cure cancer are actually studies oh. of using measles viruses for cancer therapy. So maybe it was reflective of the time of hey, maybe there's a scientific breakthrough. Dang. Uh, yeah. This potential. Yeah. Well, thing. If there was, so any we're going to scare people and make <laughs> them sure they don't take the medicine. Yes. I was going to say if there's any research that was being done, that definitely is not happening anymore because of that movie. Um, or I hope I, I mean, I hope there is definitely some good research going on, but it's possible. It's not, um, I, let's hear your question, Lucas. It is my favorite, I think, depiction of like, um, uh, like a zombie basically. Yeah. Um, Have you, have you guys seen the ground it so well? Same here. Have you guys ever seen wreck the movie? Mm -mm. Uh, it was adapted for, uh, America. It was like a Spanish film, a Spanish horror film. And it was adapted in America to a movie called quarantine. And they made Quarantine 2 as well. You guys remember Quarantine? This was, if you don't want spoilers on Wreck or Quarantine, then skip ahead. But that was, this. that's probably number one, and this is a very close second to what the zombies are in that movie. In Wreck, um, it, the plot is a found footage movie where there's a bunch of zombies in an apartment building. You're not quite sure who they are or what they are. And the whole time, there's like a priest character in in the party, like in the group of survivors in this building. And you get to the very, like they're going through the whole like surviving plot of the movie and then they get to a person's room where they think that this outbreak started and turns out the person is possessed by a demon and the zombies are actually infections of demons in that movie so it's like it's not a virus that's causing it it's actual like magic that's causing these zombies where like the person was infected by or possessed by a devil and then bit somebody and then they became possessed by the same devil and it's just spreading and spreading that's that those zombies in that movie so rec spoilers are over but that was 
that's the coolest zombie, and this is a very, very close second. Just because that one's literal magic. But anyway, just wanted to bring that up there. I did have to look up if Cordyceps could actually fuck us up like that. And um, somebody says, one answer I saw did not help like qualm my fears at all. It was like, yeah, it would take like a thousand years for it to really evolve to be like that. And I'm like, that's not that long, guys. Can we do something about this? Like, <laughs> it's pretty short. Not our problem. I think the uh, one good thing is- That's pretty year 3000 to figure out, Lucas. <laughs> They'll be in space by then, so hopefully. It'll be the exactly. Jonas Brothers problem. <laughs> what exactly? You get that, that right, Hamlet? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I don't get that one. I've been to the year three thousand. Oh God, man! Not I, much I, has I, changed, but they live underwater. <laughs> okay, no, that's how they ran away from cordyceps. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, actually, living underwater could have been a good solution to the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, I got a question for you guys, real quick. Then we can move on to video game design. Is Joel the best video game dad? Highlights like it's got to be Kratos, right? But no, well, define dad. Let's let's start. Okay, there. we got just a dad. <laughs> what do you biological mean biological dad? Ah, well, Joel's technically not a biological dad to Ellie though, but he is a video game dad. Father I got, figure. I got a short list for us here. Okay, we got Joel. We okay, got Kratos. Yeah. We got Ger. Is it Geralt or Geralt the Witcher? I think it's Geralt. Geralt of Rivia. He ha he's a dad. Geralt of Rivia. Uh, we got. Fox's dad. I don't know if you guys knew that Fox has a dad. His name is James McLeod. He saves you at the I was thinking Star, Star Fox 64? Yeah, he just he saves you at the end of Star, Star Fox 64 in a badass explosion ending scene. And then we also got Big Daddies, man. Sunglasses. I'm also throwing them on the dad on the video game dad mm, list. I got Big Daddies. Yeah. You got you get picking Big Daddies over Joel for this one? I think so. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with Joel. I'm gonna go with Joel on this one too. Um, honestly, I just know Geralt, Kratos, the big daddy. Actually, I've played video games with all those dads, and definitely James McLeod has a soft spot in my heart. But Joel is for me the most well depicted dad because it's like everything about him is trauma from fatherhood, right? And like his motivation throughout the whole game, like the reason it's okay for him to be not okay, but the reason he's blowing people's heads off, like killing innocent people, doing whatever it takes. And he never says it, but it's because of what happened, you know? And I think that's the real what real great driving force of a game is to like, a lot of games have to justify why you're doing all these killings in some sort of survival sort of way. Or like, that's like what Kratos does, right? It was either them or us kind of thing. But Joel is like, he never says it, but it's just coming from a place of pure trauma, which I love. Yeah. All right. All right. Video game design. Moving on to game design. Yeah. Um, this game has, I think, the perfect normal mode. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, what, what you played it on normal? There's like I five different. I think there's five difficulties, right, on the remaster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, I'm not the best at games in general. However, um, there was never a moment where I'm like. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to increase the difficulty in games before. I wanted to increase, um, like, Cyberpunk when I played that, actually. Um, I increased God of War for a little bit because I was just, it wasn't that challenging. Um, then I moved it back, but <laughs> just to get through it. But um, no, Last of Us is a very, it hits everything right. You know, it's, I mean, there's not a lot to say, but it's just, it's balanced in the sense that you, 
you will die a few times until you learn how the world works. You know, you have to adapt to different enemies within that world, whether it's humans, whether it's clickers, whether or infected in general, I should say. The ammo conservation, I genuinely felt like I had to conserve my ammo. I you know, in other survival horror games we've played, like Bioshock, I didn't feel that way. Um, I don't know if you've played any other. I guess Alan Wake is kind of survival horror. Yeah, Alan Wake... But you don't really have to conserve your shots in that game, I feel yeah. like. But this game, I genuinely was like, okay, how many bullets do I have? Can I make a shiv here? Can I like attach something to my whatever to make it better? Um, just really, really good balance. And, you know, something about this game too, you know, the, the gameplay, it's like, it, it's a, it's essentially stealth third person gameplay, right? Where you're encouraged, you, you can fight head on, but you're generally encouraged to stealth around, hide behind your enemies, um, you know, use deception, like throwing rocks to make noise elsewhere, things like that to get the upper hand on them and to take them out. Um, and you know, I, I, I think a, a big topic in the, in the podcast discord before we jumped on this game, once we announced it was, I think I was getting shit on a little bit because <laughs> everyone just thought I was going to hate it because it's like a third person story game. Cause I had just gotten done kind of railing ripping on, into God of war ripping into God of War, but I think well this gameplay <laughs> whatever. I stand by I stand by everything I said. I, I think this gameplay is so much more interesting than God of War Ragnarok's gameplay, you know. Um God of War Ragnarok is very or God of War in general. I, I, it's for it, it's great for some people, but it, you know, it's very I think it's pretty repetitive and it's, you know, it's very straightforward. Everyone you fight is going to be coming right at you. Generally, there's no aspect of stealth. There's no aspect of hiding really to get the upper hand. It's very straightforward and a lot of kind of like button mashing combos you have to remember. Whereas this game, you, I genuinely felt like with every combat situation I go into, even though the combat itself is really very simple, you know, there's no like crazy buttons or anything. It's like you aim and you click your right trigger or you sneak up behind them and do whatever, right? But having to think about, okay, well, how am I going to do that? How am I going to sneak up behind them? How am I going to get that clicker away from that runner so I can take it out? Um, that is a very interesting mechanic that had me consistently wondering how, what was the best way for me to approach every situation? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, despite this game largely being like playing like a movie at certain points, like I think that it, it was actually, a lot of fun too, just the gameplay wise as well. Yeah. Yeah. I hundred percent. So I just, my initial thoughts on game design is I, I was very, very pleasantly surprised on like what the core gameplay loop really was, which is like you go from encounter to encounter, each encounter is like its own little puzzle that you have to solve. Each encounter is its own phased fight where there's like, you know, five guys kind of come up to you and you can sneak kill this guy, but you got to knife this guy and you got to shoot that guy in the head. And there's going to be another guy coming with an assault rifle running down the hallway and you got to find a way to take care of him. And like what's really cool is that these encounters are actually very hard if you don't play them in an optimal way. But there's so many optimal ways to play these encounters, right, where the rooms that you're usually fighting in, the arenas that you have to face these guys in are hall complex hallways, multi-room, um, you know, have lots of different cover and you know, like the the approach is just so cool depending on what the scenario is where, you know, if you're fighting infected, you can have your flashlight on, you know, and like you can kind of sneak around as long as you don't make too much noise. Whereas you're, when you're fighting people, 
they actually like interact with the environment and move and act and talk like real people. They actually communicate with each other. You know, like if you leave a body on the ground, an, an, an AI like patrol guard will walk by him and go, hey, there's a body on me, you know, and like kind of like make some noise. But like a clicker won't do that, right? They're just like kind of mindlessly walking around. And like clickers, if they touch you, you die. You're instantly dead. That's a really cool mechanic. So you have to like balance, okay, I can melee that clicker. I have to shiv the clicker because it will kill me instantly, but I can like, I can melee these other guys, you know? And like every crafted item just felt like it it, it had a place. Every crafted item didn't apply to every single situation, but it applied to enough situations that you wanted to craft things. I found myself saying, okay, do I want to upgrade my melee weapon so I can deal with these clickers that run at me? Or do I want to like upgrade my smoke bomb so I can save it for the encounter I have with the hunters that that's probably coming up very soon here. So it was like, there's just so much like little balances and little things with the gameplay that I thought was really, really awesome. And I love that the game was actually very hard. If you like screwed up, there were some encounters that genuinely took me like five or six tries. Um, and I loved that. Like I loved that it, it made me have to like really stretch my brain, get creative and figure out who to kill. The first. final hospital sequence in particular was actually pretty difficult. Yeah, it was. At least and that was the was. last, yeah. that was the last sequence. That was like your final boss, right? It was yeah. like an actual super difficult encounter and like everybody has super big guns too. So if they see you, you're yeah. dead. So something yeah. great about got it too is there, there's ways to even, you know, you don't even have to fight everyone all the time, right? Like if you can sneak out of a room of an infected, like that works too. Yeah. Um, which I really like because, you know, it, it really, it, it paints the picture of the, you know, like the characters, like they're not just like, they don't want to fucking fight an infected. Like they will absolutely happily avoid that. And like, why wouldn't you happily avoid that if you can? Right. Yeah. Um, did you prefer, or what was tougher for you fighting infected or humans? Uh, oh man, I see, I, I feel like actually it was pretty 50, 50. I think that's what it's pretty genius about it. They were vote. They're so apples and oranges for me. I struggled more with the humans for sure. Really? Cause the infected were like relatively dumb, you know, it's like I, I could essentially control how a, you know, I could very easily influence where a runner was going to look or where a clicker was going to look. But the human AIs had a little bit more. But I guess intelligence, I would say. But. The thing was, it was like, it, it works in a really cool way because like you couldn't choke out an infected. You had to shiv them, right? Oh, you could you choke out runners. You could choke out runners, but you had to shiv, shiv clickers. clickers yeah. So like, if you didn't have Did any you ever ammo, try punching a clicker? There were some Dude, yeah, I, died, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I had like a horde of runners or something on me. And then like, I couldn't switch weapons quick enough. And I was just trying to punch to get them off me. Yeah. And then the fucking clicker comes up to me and I'm like... Ugh. Yeah, and they just, <laughs> just smack like your arm out and then eat smacks and just like yeah. starts chomping. I'm like, oh, dude, fuck. how about those bloater death death animations? Those were like fucking awful. Oh, man. Just like yeah. a bloater gets on you and just starts pulling your face off. And Joel's like, how, ah! how are you in the show? <laughs> like his in the, eyes going off in the show, Lucas. Uh, I just finished episode four, so I haven't seen a bloater yet. If they are, if they're okay. in the show, yeah. Um, but dude, yeah, the bloater of death. There's one that's really I thought was kind of stupid though. Like he literally just kind of throws you and you just die. I was like, oh really? What? <laughs> yeah. Did you, what but do you think? There is one where he literally like grabs your mouth open, just rips your jaw like a like that saw trap, basically. Yeah, yeah. Trap. That was nuts. That was nuts. I, um, I gotta say, I did unfortunately think a little too much about the logic of like why are these so strong? Like what about fungus is augmenting their muscles? <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> I kind of had trouble figuring that out. I could buy the I, I can buy them having better defense. 
that makes sense to me because it's like a fungal plate. But the fact that like these <laughs> these bloaters are just like fucking chads didn't. Really yeah, they're super chads. Uh, yeah, Tim, maybe you could figure out like what the actual you know fungus. I got the most BS idea, but I'll run it. By okay, yeah, it's here. Ways. What's your what's your reasoning? So, there? so. So the fungus gradually grows and grows and grows the longer like something infected stays alive, right? Yeah. So maybe I'm just thinking that fungus just gets super heavy over time. So slowly like that infected is just getting more ripped because it's constantly <laughs> just adding weight, weight. Weighted pack is just like getting <laughs> like, huge. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like maybe. just crazy body weight, like yeah. exercise logic. Yeah. Or, yeah. or maybe the, the fungus is like getting, <laughs> making the body hotter, Matt, and the heat shock proteins are kicking in. It's like they're constantly. Ooh in a sauna you know how healthy you get from being in the sauna could be that but too also humans super high in protein so maybe the bloaters are the ones that just able to eat the <laughs> yeah most maybe people. the bloater just got a lot of protein no. going their macros were probably insane yeah yeah, yeah maybe who knows? um I was gonna. I was gonna say there were times like the bloater logic. I don't know why I never questioned that I was just like okay like Chad's killing me mushroom Chad that's cool but dude when there was like 20 guys like 20 hunters i was like dog where are these people coming from like sometimes there was like an insanely stupid amount of guys where it was like yeah. dude like you'd kill like five people and i'm like okay that's like a squad like you just killed a squad of five guys and then like five more guys pull up and go like he's in there he's in there and then like five more guys come up and they're like i think i saw him over here and i was like jesus christ like how well they're the radio they have radios <laughs> walk talk you never you never questioned you never went like yo where did all these men come from like you never asked that question to yourself uh, i just assume they were in the area they all There's also the question, like, they're going to commit 20 men of their very finite numbers to uh, fight this dude that already killed off, like, three squads. Yeah, I know, right? So you think, yeah. the, you think they would at some point just kind of be like, just run, right, guys. We just, just, let them, <laughs> let them pass. just let them fucking go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What'd you think? I want to touch on this. Um, what'd you think of the crafting system? I liked that we could craft. I got tired of how long it took to craft, like, literally to craft. Wow. Um. I don't know why, like, it, it was cool the first, for those that aren't familiar, the, the crafting system, you can only do it at a workbench, which is fine. You oh, no, not the upgrade system, the crafting. The, the crafting at workbench, yeah. No, no, I'm talking about, like, oh, just making, like, smoke bombs and, like, just that yeah, whole crap. Yeah, like, okay, I misunderstood. Yeah. You both, you could talk uh, about both, though. Well, the crafting system I, I thought was really good, actually. Crafting was great. It took me so long to realize, though, that I was only picking up like half of a... Yeah, a yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I would, you know, I'd get like a quarter of a scissor or whatever, and I would go into my thing to craft, and I couldn't, I'm like, I know. I'm like, I, thought I, I was, like, just picked my mind, up a scissor. I was yeah. like, I just picked this shit up. Is my game broken? And I'm like, Wait, I was that not part of the original? Was that not part of the original? Because didn't you... It's been, maybe, maybe not. It's been so long since I played. I literally played it almost 10 years ago, so I don't remember. Okay. Um, but I just remember thinking, like, is my game broke? And then finally, like, I think the second or third hour, and I finally realized, I'm like, oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> and I like the crafting. Um, I thought it was fun. But uh, the workbench system where you upgrade your weapons, I wasn't a fan of just because, I don't know, it, for those that aren't familiar, it um, Joel literally, like, pulls out tools and starts, you know, working on his guns in front of you which was cool the first couple times, but at a certain point I'm like, all right, I'm spending like five minutes just to do all my upgrades. I don't need to do that. So a little, little nitpick there, but nothing. Yeah. That I'm like going to dock it for. 
I um I liked that in in a to a certain degree. Um, I do agree with your nitpick though. Is that like it was it was kind of like a little egregious because the game is like focusing so much on like you know immersion and like you know what it feels like to actually sit at a workbench and upgrade a gun. But like at the end of the day, it just takes like you know thirty seconds longer total than it should like at each yeah. workbench upgrade thing. Especially some things like I remember thinking like oh I could upgrade like the stock on my shotgun or upgrade the reload time on the shotgun. But if I upgrade the stock on the shotgun, it's going to take Joel like 30 seconds to actually do it like in the animation yeah. for it. Cause like when he upgrades the reload speed of the shotgun, he literally just sands down like the metal part of the loading chamber. And it's like, okay, cool. He upgraded like the, I guess that makes sense. Him upgrading the loading, sp reloading speed of the shotgun. But if you upgrade the recoil, he takes off the stock, like uh, unscrews it, takes a new one puts it on screws it on and checks it and it just takes like 15 seconds longer and i i literally went like oh i'll just do the reload it, it's fine it's the same amount of screws so whatever uh there was uh, one point too i was upgrading the hunting rifle i think and like he literally for whatever my upgrade was i forget but he literally just like took off the barrel then out of his backpack just pulled out a totally new gun barrel and just clicked it on like yeah, that was great <laughs> yeah that was hilarious no or he i love <laughs> he just pulls out a scope for the hunting rifle too it's just like like, it's <laughs> like he was just he had a scope he just found that just or he built him. it out of screws yeah. yeah that was great um and then I, the crafting system itself like crafting like health kit health kits uh smoke bombs like uh nail bombs and stuff like that i absolutely loved that crafting system so much i cannot express enough how much i loved that crafting system it wasn't bloated it wasn't overloaded with a bunch of stuff it was like yo you can craft like maltovs health kits a couple different bombs and they and you're good to go that's all you kind of need and they had the perfect amount of overlap too between what materials were needed for what so you yeah. have to genuinely choose okay do i want to make a health pack right now or a maltov or do I want to make a shiv or a nail bomb? You know, things yeah. like that. And everything, yeah, and like shivs, like I was always like, it, it makes everything feel so valuable where you're like, oh my God, like when you find a shiv on your on the ground, you're like, yes, fuck yeah. Like I don't have to craft it now. And like when you find a Molotov or you find like uh freaking like anything, it's it just makes it feel so valuable. And I love too, like I love when things have a more simplistic crafting system in terms of the materials that you're using. Um, have you guys played Metro Exodus or any of the Metro Metro Exodus? So Metro, I played the first Metro 2033. So Metro Exodus uh, is really cool. I'm Very sure good game. You should just for the pod. I don't, I, we should. I don't know if you did, if there's a crafting system in the first Metro, but Metro Exodus, the crafting system is literally two resources. It's chemicals and metal. And every single thing that you build just requires either chemicals or metal. And it just requires more or less, and that's it. And like, it actually ends up being a really dynamic crafting system, despite there only being two real resources, because those two real resources are super valuable, and you run out of one faster than the other sometimes. Some locations will have more chemicals than they do metal, so looting them is like a different vibe. It completely changes where you want to go and what you want to do. And I think this game was really cool in doing that because... Which you would, like you said, Matt, like you would use up your resources to like make health. I always prioritized health kits, but I knew I'd be missing out on Molotovs. And I was like, ah, uh, like, okay, I'll t I won't take a health kit right now. I won't max that out. I'll just, because I want like another Molotov right now because I, I feel like I want to prioritize offense over defense. So just this very simple like thing is creating this whole game inside my head of like, okay, am I, if I'm badass, I won't get hit. So I don't need the health kits. 
<laughs> like that's as simple as that. So let me just not craft those, you know, but it just creates all these really great decisions that you make. Um, and again, like I think that lesser games with crafting systems overload it with like, oh, now you find that super rare material and now you can craft the super item. And there was none of that. Um, or sometimes there's like the, um, you know, just, just like the bloated stuff where you're, you have a third material that you might need and maybe there's like a, a way that you find that or it's a rare drop and it's just not, not that fun when you do that kind of thing. So great, great cues to pick up from Last of Us Crafting System. Love it. All righty, moving on to any, any, oh, one more comment for me. I really just, I like the haptic feedback. Oh um, yeah. That was fun. Especially just the rain and the controller. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Uh, and when you like die, your controller glows red. That was cool. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause I found myself putting my head down every time I died and I just see red. I should be like, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, moving on art style. Whew. I mean, it looks great. The game, I think we already touched on it a lot. Um, or at least a little bit, but you know, the game looks really good. The literally you can see the pores on the character models, which is insane. Um, the you can clearly tell what the characters are trying to emote you know there's um i watched a comparison scene of the the 2013 game and then this game where it's the scene where um joel's like you're right you're not my daughter um and that exchange and it truly is kind of bonkers to see just how far we've come just from even like a facial expression standpoint like both of their faces in those scenes are much more static than they are in uh in this scene like there's not as much of a dynamic range of emotion so they nailed that they nailed the set designs the designs of all the months are infected excuse me terrifying um yeah bloater scary uh all of it i loved all of it yeah i i completely agree like the pure technical standpoint of all, of it all is just just insane just like so out of this world in terms of like technical power of like with the graphics themselves. And then, you know, like genuine care into like the world building. I know um, it's not necessarily just art direction here, but I, I really loved like those moments where you would find like a house and you'd go inside and you would see like, there was a moment where you go inside of a house and you see like, a, you just read a letter that someone left there. And there's basically a whole story that plays out in this house if you just pay attention to what happened, which is like, there's a there's an infected guy in there that you kill turns out he was waiting for his wife and like you go upstairs and you see packed bags and there's just these little environmental cues that like tell a bigger story when you're walking through certain environments and there's just so much care into like every single corner you turn there's a human who who had to suffer right here and like you yeah. you just saw the end of it you talked about ish is basically a sea captain that like hid in the sewer for god knows how many years found people and then eventually they left the door unlocked and like infected got in and that was it. And like their, their whole thing fell apart. And like you find like their beds and where they live and you see that there was a classroom and electricity and like they were living there for a long time. And it's, it's just like, wow, uh, that was really, really great attention to detail. Um, and I, I just think that the art team did such a great job. Did you see any of the concept art in like when you beat the game, Matt, or check any of that out? I did not know. So the the I don't know if the original game had this, but in in the PS5 version, you beat the game and you unlock New Game Plus. And there's a lot of really great stuff in New Game Plus. There was a mirror mode. There was um, eight bit music mode, sixteen bit music mode, which was really cool. Um, there was mirror mode on death. So every time you died, it would uh, flip the world horizontally, 
which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game just like change it, little changes here and there that that seemed to do a lot. But there's also a whole thing of um, concept art. So you can unlock concept art uh, for all the different environments in the game and all the different encounters and all the characters and their models, including like, here's Joel in the fall, here's Joel in the winter, here's Joel in the spring and in the summer. And I just thought that was really great. If you look at the concept art, you just see that it was such a well-established it was just such a well-established game from the very beginning. And I know that every game has concept art. Every good game has a world built off of really great art. Um, but just, you know, as far as post-apocalyptic environments go, I think this is really up there in terms of the best. It feels like everything fell apart in a way that it would not would actually fall apart. And like the little spores growing and the little mushrooms growing on the walls, really great touches all around about this virus. How it's not just infecting humans. It's like this is infecting the it's world. infecting the world. The yeah. 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 Cordyceps. Cordyceps, baby. Hoo-ha. All right. Sound design, uh, perfect. Um, Absolutely perfect. You know, I, I think it's used in all the right ways. They even choose silence at certain points, which is, uh, you know, a design choice in and of itself, which is really well done. Um, when it does have, like, any sort of music for ambiance or whatever, it's great. The clicker, the sound of the clickers is truly terrifying. Yes. Um, for those that may not know, the clickers are basically, they're at a stage of infected where the fungus is basically kind of split out of their face um, where their eyes would be. So they no longer have sight, but instead the see by like a form of echolocation. So, which is a crazy way they evolved apparently <laughs> <laughs> again. Uh, anyways, but they see by echolocation and to do that, they click Um and just the sound of a clicker is just terrifying. Lucas, could you give us your best clicker sound? <laughs> Sounds it's like, like you're choking on a glizzy. <laughs> you put me on the spot there, bro. We'll we'll play some some clicker sounds uh when I actually get to this episode in post-production, but No, I I, th- I think that those clicker sounds truly are terrifying. And it's funny because yeah. on the show, I think they're literally using the exact same sound file. Like, I'm not even playing. I think it's like the, the producer of the show just said, yep, it works. Let's just go with that. <laughs> you know, and it's like it's so rare that you use the like it's nearly the same asset that you they used in the video game. Um, I saw a video of a blind dude playing this, this game and saying, like, this is an incredible game for for visually impaired or blind people. And like he literally just had like surround sound headphones on and he just listened to the footsteps of people walking and he snuck up on them and shot him or killed them. And it worked like this game sound design in terms of the gameplay mechanic as a gameplay mechanic works so well that someone can play this game without seeing, which I think is so awesome. And um, I'll find the video. I'll probably throw it in the Discord. Um, I saw it on on my TikTok feed, so it's I gotta I gotta actually find the source video there. But it is it is so cool that that's even possible with a game like this. Um, the music is fantastic. It kicks in at the perfect moments. They don't overdo it. It's like at the end of different chapters in a somber moment. The music is minimal. The music is like it's it's just so good. Um, and the voice acting, dude, out out of control. Uh, so yeah. awesome. Everyone had good performances. Yeah. Especially like, you know, the game. Troy ends, Baker, Ashley. 
Yeah. Yeah. The game ends on, a, you know, voice actor just lines, right? Which is like the, I swear and okay. And just those, those two lines delivered so, so solidly by two great actors. And um, yeah, loved it all, man. I think the sound design, like you said, perfect. Like, in, in in every way, like from a gameplay mechanic standpoint and from like an artistic standpoint with just like music, voice acting and all that stuff. Yeah. All righty. Uh, NPC award. Oof. Yeah. You want to go first or? I'll go. Okay. Uh, mine, Sarah, Joel, Joel's daughter. Mm, okay. Um, uh, you know, I uh, never before did I feel like so attached to a, a character than immediately like devastated when they died. I think I cried. Uh, if I, I either cried in the show, the game, or both. I can't remember. <laughs> but definitely cried at some point. Um, and again, yeah, I, I already sung so much praise for that scene in particular, but um, Sarah's voice actor and that kills it. She makes you care about the character so quickly. Um, and really, I mean, she's like the driving force for Joel in the game in a way because it really drives his relationship with uh, Ellie. So yeah. Sarah gets my NPC award. Okay, great. And Hylet, feel free to dive in here for uh, NPC award. I'm going with Bill. Uh, Bill, functionally, I think is the most important character to Joel, <laughs> Joel and, and Ellie's entire adventure. Bill is cool because like he doesn't. Like a lot of characters you meet throughout this game actually do die or like have a big moment of loss. But Bill, he's just like, he helps you out. You keep, you you know, he's like, he's a real trooper, dude. He like helps you push the truck. He's like, you know, gets the battery with you. It's like, yeah, Bill, Bill's the goat, dude. Bill is great. The and goat. then, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about him more when we do the, our actual formal review of the show, but they did a incredible job with bill in the last of us tv show incredible so i yeah. love i love that may i'm creating a little bit of bias here because i just watched that episode yesterday but um love love bill npc for sure highlight tim who you got um i was thinking bill and then you stole him so oh, my bad my bad um no no you're good honestly henry and sam came to mind when i was thinking back on my experience mm. uh, yeah because both because there's an amazing sequence where Henry's paired with Joel and you get to learn more about Joel because he's being reflected off Henry. And then you see Ellie opening up and not being as this like little plucky dipshit and actually like <laughs> being a kid. Yeah. So it was really cool. Like there's this moment where like they move to humanize both of the protagonists and then you get the fucking gut punch of them dying at the end. Yeah. So it's like, oh, cool. We made friends. Never mind. Yeah, that, um, was, tough. that was tough. But just just the way they opened up the story and the characterizations like pretty early in the game. And then just the game not failing to deliver gut punch after gut punch. Like Henry and Sam, I remember like that hit me hard when I played yeah. and replayed. And that was cool, too, because yeah. I think uh, both of those of you that don't know. Oh, man, I you know, it's like the episode just came out, right? <laughs> on HBO. So anyway, two characters die. And like right when that their deaths happen, it just cuts to black and it just says fall. And it's like the next chapter like immediately starts and you just get this cool time skip. And that's just great writing, man. I mean, that's just like how you do it where it's like the gut punch happens and you just move on to the next chapter immediately. And like you catch up with the characters and what they were doing later, you know. And um, yeah, so much buildup with those guys. And it was just so sad. So sad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all Companion right. piece pick. I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first because I want I want to I want to say mine. I'm pretty excited about mine. I'm gonna go with that Mario Kart Saturday Night Live skit. 
with Pedro Pascal. Um, for those of you that haven't seen it, I think you should watch it. It's about two weeks old at this point. Uh, it was a Saturday Night Live skit where they were making fun of HBO adapting uh, The Last of Us, and it was like HBO adapting Mario Kart. And it was just like super intense, all gritty and super, super funny. And Pedro Pascal is Mario. And he's like, let's go. And then he was like, goes <laughs> off. And he's like on Rainbow Road. It was incredible. I like have watched that a few times already. Uh, watched it before this recording and um, still hilarious, honestly. Uh, love that they did that. So that's my companion piece pick. Uh, I wasn't as fun. I just picked The Walking Dead as like an example of what not to do with a post-apocalyptic zombie story. Uh, so <laughs> if you want to know like how not to tell that kind of story, go watch uh, The Walking Dead. Why do you, why do you say that? It's just gone too long. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't. I stopped watching The Walking Dead after like season three. What season? Are they still going? They're not still going, are they? It wrapped up a little bit ago, uh, but it should have wrapped up years ago. Right, right. To I, Matt's point. You're right. I mean, I think The Last of Us does the complete opposite, where it actually ends a little bit before you would think that it would end as a way to like, you know, it's like, you want, makes you want more. And we all kind of knew it was yeah. a part one and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's like, you got to pull it. You got to leave people wanting more. And on the high note, leave people wanting more for sure. Highlight, what you what you got for companion piece pick, man? Um... I'm thinking I Am Legend, kind of another post-apocalyptic story. Uh, it's a duo. It's a dude and his dog. So a lot of like kind of reminiscent vibes of a protector. But I also like remember like when the dog dies in I Am Legend and Will Smith kind of just goes a little crazy and just like gut punches him. Like it kind of just makes me think like, fuck, if Ellie died in this story, how fucking depressing would this shit have been? Yeah. Um, and like... So just going back to a couple of the points earlier, like the environment of I Am Legend, I think just really reflects like the loneliness and the solitude of like the this post-apocalyptic like landscape. So it's the first thing that came to my mind because yeah, totally wasn't thinking about it at all now. <laughs> all right. Favorite moment. What do you got, Matt? I loved when Ellie, um, the, the gameplay section with Ellie where you play as Ellie um and, and the snow that whole thing with um the hunters that had been kind of following you um i loved it because i i think that's really where you get to truly see how much those two care for each other yeah yeah i agree ellie's just like because you'll see the links they go to for each person and that drives ellie or joel to that moment too where you start you know start kind of alternating between the two perspectives where Jules interrogating those two guys and like he gets his info, but he's just like, no, you're fucking dead anyways. Like, yeah, okay. dude, that segment was crazy. He just like stabbed that guy in the leg and was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. where is she? And it's like torture. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. I, I did like how different gameplay was as Ellie. Like you actually couldn't overpower anybody. You couldn't like really sneak up on people. Like it was very, it was actually different enough and everything kind of made sense there too. So I, I really did appreciate that. Um, and shouldn't have like the guns that Joel had, obvious, obviously. Um, but you know, sneaking around and like the core mechanics still applied. So that was that was a really cool little little converse there. Um, Highlight, what you got? Um, one more thing I want to add with like the whole like that's when you could see them really caring about each other. I'm pretty sure that's the first time Joel calls Ooh. Ellie baby girl, which is oh. the only name he used for Sarah, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. when he finds her after she kills the mm -hmm. yeah, after okay. she yeah. You know, 
hacks apart and, to like the cannibal leader or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. That is that is, that is right. I remember I remember picking up on that yeah. when I played it. Yeah, dang. Yeah, because he's like really trying to save her right there, and he just like that's all. Yeah, well, like he's like like holding her back, just saying like baby girl, baby girl. Yeah, or and then it cuts the block again. Yeah, it does. Oh man, the so game good. so good. Yeah. Um, so good. All right, my favorite moment moment was the ending for sure. Um, yeah. It's just you know I I I think that's how you end a story, not just a video game, but that's how you end a story on something like that on a on an emotional note, on uncertainty, and leaving me wanting more. You know, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably play part two on this podcast at a certain point, or if not, you know, we'll cover it in some sort of way. And I'm, I definitely want to play it now. Um, but I'm, I'm unsure right now, you know, where their relationship is going to go. I, I hope things work out. We'll see. Yeah. Highlight, you got a favorite moment? I know you played the game a while ago, but you got one. Honestly, it's a combination of your guys' two favorite moments. Like, that's what made me want to write a paper like on this game is the sequence of playing through Ellie and then seeing those decisions play out ultimately in the end. Yeah. So yeah. So for all the reasons already described real quick, those, we're, we're wrapping two. up here on the final conclusive thoughts, but I wanted to give you just a quick, you know, two, three minutes, just talking through like, you know, and with your thesis and your, you know, what you've talked about with the last of us or what you've written about in terms of the last of us, what would you say is like kind of your main driving force and, you know, real main point argument about, you know, how the game uses these two characters to do what it's trying to do. Sure. I mean, we talked a little bit about the end already and that I don't think there's a right, like there's a good guy or a right answer of how that should have played out. Um, I could see people siding with Joel because this is a man who lost his world and is willing to sacrifice the world to keep his world again. And then you see the altruism of Ellie of wanting to save the world. And I think that's kind of the big trope across almost every zombie movie is how do we bring things back to normal? How do we like resource civilization? And those are two extremely divergent paths in terms of decision-making. And we talked a lot about decision-making even in the discord, like, what does it mean to make a choice? Do we agree the choices? Do we agree the consequences? So I got really interested in that divergent kind of thinking or the goals of the two protagonists. And I, you know, I thought it was really interesting that we get to play as both people and just to really super sum up like my academic work within the thesis, I argue that our identity meant with the avatar we play in video games because the interaction video games allows creates a lot Forces creates whatever words we want to use to pound the game, a more of a melding of identity. Like even when we're talking through the gameplay section, we're never saying Joel like went around the corner to like get the clicker. It's I, I went around the corner right. to beat the clicker. I chose to play stealthily. So this, there's an, there's an interesting identity formation in video gameplay that's not, that doesn't really exist as much in other forms of medium because of that direct interaction. But since in this game we play, through two we play two characters pretty thoroughly. So the fact that we play two different characters means there's like a conflict of goals, a conflict of ideologies. Mm. And by having this conflict dictates why we feel the way we feel at the end, whether we think Joel is right, Ellie is right, both are right, both are wrong. And it's because we're in a constant state of negotiation of what our goals mean for us and what our goals mean for the avatar when we're playing through the game. Dang. Dang, good stuff. Yeah. No, I I, I I see that. I totally see what you're saying. Like, 
you know, when you are playing as Ellie from a game, like I mentioned on the gameplay perspective, like it is completely different when you're playing as Ellie just from a mechanical standpoint. But when you're playing as Ellie, your goal is to like, you know, escape. Like you feel that your goal is to save Joel when you're playing as Ellie. And when you're playing as Joel, you feel like your goal is to save. Like you, when you're playing as one character, you feel that you're trying to save the other, which I think is really, really cool. Especially like when you as Joel feel like a badass, you feel more powerful. But when you're playing as Ellie, you don't feel very powerful. You feel like a kid. You feel like you can't beat all these men, but you're trying really hard to overcome and run and scramble and everything just to save Joel. But the funny thing is in my thesis, I argue that the gameplay is comparable because no matter no matter the differences, the end result's the same. You take down infected, you take down hunters. Uh-huh. So even though the nuance, like the differences in how they do it happen, the fact that the gameplay ends up in the same result, I equalize both of their power and agency kind of equal to each other. Okay. Yeah. Also. I could see that too. I see that too. Yeah. Um well love it, man. Love it. Um definitely gonna be hitting us with more of your uh your thoughts in the future. Um, Anytime one final play. note for me too, just on the ending of the game. Um, yeah. it's so interesting. Cause when I, when I first, I, I distinctly remember when I first played this game in 2013, um, I distinctly remember thinking like, this is so dumb. Why would he like, like how fucking selfish of, of Joel is what I thought at the time. I distinctly remember that. And I thought it was like a dumb ending for that point. But now I don't know if, like I was saying earlier, like I haven't, it's not like I've had a daughter since then, but like, <laughs> I don't know if like what has changed in that regard, just getting older in general, seeing things differently. But I, I, I totally think hundred percent, you know, differently about that ending now. And, um, just so interesting to like, kind of go for me at least to like, kind of really come full circle on that and do a 180. Um, so you love the ending now. I do. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, 16 15 year old matt was just even a bigger hater than he is now but (laughs) hard to (laughs) believe hard to believe but um yeah probably like one of the best ending i i I think you know i I think that ending hits more too probably with just when you've experienced more life because even it's, it's not even necessarily just about like you know father daughter relationships per se but it's also just about relationships yeah and you know sometimes you withhold the truth even though like you don't need to, or sometimes you withhold truth or tell a white lie for their benefit, things like that. So, um, I think that's maybe like having lived more life. Maybe it just, it's differently. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's about like, I think anyone can relate to trying to fix the past or trying to like, like fix something that you really regret. Like you, you know, Joel wishes that he can go back and do things differently every single second that he's alive so that he could have saved Sarah, you know? And like, he just, he, I think it's very relatable um, in any story. If you write it well enough of like, man, like, wouldn't you want to take actions in the future to undo your past and everything? And I think that's what the ending is, is just like Joel kind of coming face to face with that and saying like, I'm doing whatever it takes to, to fix myself even if it is just the most selfish thing in the world, literally like saving the world versus like me feeling like me saving her. Um, ah, so good. So good. All right. Uh, do we hit nip? We want to skip over nitpicks. I think we hit them, right? It's crafting. I have one small table. one. Go for it. Um, it seemed like the hunters had like the same two or three VAs voice actors for all of them. They did, dude. 100% yeah. they did. Yeah. And I noticed it right away, too. Like, even within the same, like, squad that I was fighting, like, I'm like, oh, they, they sound the same. So that, I mean, not not a huge deal, but just some, I was just honestly surprised because 
I feel like other games that are not as impressive have more variety in their voices than this did. So I guess, I guess you got to budget somewhere and that's where they chose. So, oh well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My nitpick is really the crafting table animations, although really cool, you know, just like take a lot of time. And then all, my other nitpick I mentioned earlier, just there's too many guys. There's no way there would be that many guys. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's uh, Lucas. Any alternate names? Ah, oh, man. I didn't I don't I don't have that section written on my freaking sheet still. I didn't I didn't think of anything. Let me give me go ahead and hit me with yours and I'll try and think of some on the spot right now. The fungus among us. <laughs> okay, I'm not I'm not beating that one. <laughs> um Cordress Apocalypse. Nah, all right, all right. That wasn't bad. You got any more? Wasn't wasn't great, wasn't terrible. Uh, I think I won this one, but uh uh, off the cuff, I like that. I like that. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Um, I think you know we didn't. Even... Sorry, I was gonna say the the name "The Last of Us" is funny, or not funny, but it's such a poetic name for what is just what is a zombie, what is a zombie apocalypse story. You know, it's just like it's funny when you The Walking Dead, Resident Evil, or Biohazard, Resident Evil. You know, like. Night of the Living Dead. Like, usually, like, Dead is in the title, but Last of Us is clearly trying to, like... It's a very intentional title in the first place because it's trying to, like, separate itself. Like, you hear the name The Last of Us, you actually don't even first think zombie story, which I think is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know, we need to do final conclusive thoughts. We kind of ran through it all. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's give our ratings. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Just so everybody knows our rating system, it is a collaborative score between Matthew and I. We're both going to give our score out of 10. We're going to add those up and it'll be our official score out of 20. So Matt, let's hit him with it. Three, two, one, 10. 10. Dang, dang. Uh, 20 out of 20 for thanks for playing. I think this is the third... (laughs) I think there's a third one we've given out, actually. I think uh, uh, Undertale and what else got it? Did Undertale get a 10? Hades. I think Hades and Undertale got the 10s. Um, we need to get better at logging this because it would be easier. Yeah, well, somebody, website, some, we'll get better somebody, up, somebody update the wiki. Um, this yeah. game wins the Mickey Legrand Coates Award for Excellence in Video Game Design. So uh, it's kind of funny that Mickey is not here for this because um, he's doing something else. But wow. <laughs> Should we should we even officially name that award that anymore, or should we change the name? I'm gonna call this today the Highlight Heisman Award. <laughs> Dang, pretty big, uh, pretty big grand gesture there. I like it. All right, I awesome. Like I saw Highlight literally like on webcam, like just praised God. Like the moment that we he'd heard us both say ten, <laughs> just like yes, <laughs> fuck yeah. I have a feeling you, that was more so for I me. I would be happy with anything above a seven at like <laughs> at this point. So. You think this is a highlight? I mean, you think this is a ten out of ten game, right? Um, the version I played, I would call it a ten out of ten. It sounds like the remake just took what was great and built upon and made it bet like better. Um, from a technical design perspective, so I'm only wildly assuming this would be a ten if I played the remake. Yeah, yeah. I think you, I think so. you would agree for sure with everything. It's incredible. You said. It really you is, um, and I, I am glad I enjoyed it because I honestly went into this because like a lot of the discourse, like I mentioned in the Discord before, was like uh, Matt's gonna fucking hate this game, and I was like, oh, I kind of hope I don't. I don't want them to be right. <laughs> and um, 
you know, I promise this is journalistic integrity. Everything I said about the game is how I feel about it. Uh, and yeah, you know, uh, I, I just think it goes to show that um, <laughs> God of War Ragnarok is not a good game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't have to relitigate that right now. We'll relitigate I'm kidding, that later. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, so so I, I was say, literally I love- vibing with you until like two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, I just think it's interesting because, like, I don't know, at the end of the day, like, these are the same basic kind of games. They're third-person action-adventure games, and it just goes to show that, you know, there can be a lot of variance in those. And um, for what it's worth, I let, I was talking to someone at the climbing gym, and I was talking to them about God of War Ragnarok, and I also told them I didn't like it, and they thought I was crazy. So <laughs> I am yeah. definitely in the in the minority there, but I will wear that badge with honor. Um, it's okay, Matt. I so appreciate you and like you. So thanks, Todd. You <laughs> too. We're good, boy. We're good. Uh, All right, cool. All right, I think that's. We, this was a long one. Definitely yeah. have to compress this one in audacity after producer Sam sends it to us. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I have to do. Red Circle only lets us upload 200 uh, megabytes. So every time we're over 200, I have to reprocess the episode in audacity to be able to upload because why don't you make it compresses it down you should tell producer sam to make sure it doesn't go over 200 megabytes he come on (laughs) you don't think he's gonna do that you don't think he knows (laughs) how to do that you don't think think our producer knows how to make a file smaller when he it's not that i don't think he can't do it i think i'm gonna ask him to do it and he's gonna tell me like something's he's gonna like make just Make call me like a he's gonna like bully me. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you love you love when you get bullied by producer Sam. I, I know that you do. I do. I'll <laughs> ask him. We'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. All right, everyone. I think that is all we got today. Uh Hylet, any any last words? No, I just appreciate you guys having me on talking to Last of Us. Super looking forward to talking about the show. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be yeah, fun. that'll be fun. The, sh- the show's incredible. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it, I'm fucking loving it so far. It is great. Um, so I'm really excited to dig into, honestly, the difference in experience of playing it versus watching it mm-hmm. and the decisions that they made to make it, I think, a better TV show. So I'm I'm excited. I love this game. I'm really like stoked you guys did for the pod. And thanks for giving me a chance to talk more about my academic work. Um, it's funny, you know, when you get your master's and you write your thesis, you're like, nobody's going to give a fucking shit about this in 10 years. <laughs> and now I'm proving myself wrong from 10 years. All ago, right. So all right. Really appreciate you guys for having me on. Of course. Talking about. Yeah, dude. Game. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Um, and highlight, if you want to be found online, where can the people find you? Um, people can follow me on Twitter now because I revitalize my account barely. So you can file, follow me at, at highlight a four six. Um, if you don't like Twitter or the people to manage it, you can also find me on the Discord. <laughs> I am pretty fucking active. So yeah. hit me up either. Let's talk games, narrative in games, Magic the Gathering. The new set's pretty sick. All right. The upcoming set looks even better. So yeah, those two places. Oh, good. I am following you, Highlight. All right, dope. <laughs> Had to double check um, there. Yeah, huh? You like some of my <laughs> tweets, I think. or yeah, yeah. You like my I'm verified on Twitter sure. now. Dude, I love That's that. That's my goal. I, I want to be a... I want to be an eight dollar a month piece of shit. Yeah, you, yeah. you know that you know that Facebook or Meta is doing the same thing. They're now doing verification. Dude, it's, I uh, saw that. I was like, this fucking precedent. Yeah, fucking it's so weird sad. too. I don't know like the logic behind it, but they're all Elon's also putting a paywall behind using your text messages as a form of two factor authorization. So you can only do that if you are paying for Twitter Blue. 
Otherwise, you have to use like um, like an authenticator app. Dang. To have two-factor authorization, yeah. Yeah, and Twitter Weird. also de facto like shut down their API access because you can only ping the API like a thousand times for a certain amount of money, and it's like an obscene amount of money now. So they basically walled off unless you have a lot of money, the ability to like use any like Twitter third-party apps and stuff. So a lot of people have just abandoned those. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but we're we're part of the problem because you're you're paying for it. So. It's kind of <laughs> just big, big smile. I'm with you, Matt. I, I'm on the Twitter journey with you, bro. Yeah, man. I uh, gotta, gotta get noticed somehow, and if that's what it takes, I'll do it. I um, if you want to find me online, you could find me on Instagram at Good Idea Lucas, and you could also find me on the Discord, just like Highlight. Um, talk about Magic the Gathering. I'm trying to grind uh, on Magic the Gathering Arena right now. Might be doing some streaming in the Discord here and there. Um, we'll see how that goes. Love it. All right. And if you want to hang out with your good buddy Matt on Twitter, you can find me at Good Idea Matthew with a big, beautiful blue check mark next to my name. As well, you can also find the podcast at TFP Podcast. That's at TFP Podcast with an S at the end. Uh, she's email. Thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. Go hang out on the website. Thanks for playing dot live. Uh, all, right, all right, everyone. This has been Thanks for Playing. Catch you next time. Scooby Bop. Thanks for playing as a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Sammy Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch, Red Circle, 